everyone. Welcome to or welcome back to Unpacking Potato, the podcast where I, Hani, the self-proclaimed potato, unpack a variety of different topics. For today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Allie Bird. She is a coach, a speaker, a workshop leader. She's um, a soon-to-be therapist, and she wrote a book called Grief Ally, and it is kind of like a roadmap to how to support someone for those who are feeling helpless, who don't really know how to support someone who's going through grief, and it is just a great resource, um, and we go through her whole process of how she got to writing it, um, what she went through how she experienced grief and a little on her story and also what you can find from the book itself and yeah we had a great time sitting and talking and getting to know each other so I hope you enjoy as well but before we get started let's just start with our mindful moment so try to find a comfortable position and close your eyes if you can we're gonna bring our attention to our jaw we're gonna unstick the tongue from the roof of our mouth and try to relax that jaw a little bit. And moving up to our temples. I'm just going to notice if there's any tension there. Massage it out with your fingers if you have your hands available to you. And then up to our eyebrows and forehead. Relax your eyebrows, uncrinkle those frown lines. Just try to breathe through any tension you're feeling. And down to our eyes. If you have them closed, you can look side to side, up and down. Give yourself a big eye roll. Or if you have them open, you can look at something far away and then something close. Look at something far away for a little bit and then something close. And then we'll do our neck. And just give a little, our neck a little stretch, your right ear to right shoulder, and stretch out the left side of your neck. And just breathe through that stretch a little bit. Now the other side, left ear to left shoulder. And stretch out the right side of your neck. And now slowly put your head down, so your chin to your chest. And feel that stretch along the back of your neck and maybe even down between your shoulder blades. And then slowly look back to the ceiling or the sky. Nice and slow. And stay for one breath here. And then just a gentle head roll to the left, to the back the right, all the way around. Oh, my neck cracked there. And then we're going to do our shoulders to our ears, big shrug and tight squeeze, 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 and relax. And one more time, tight squeeze, shoulders up to your ears, and shrug, 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 and relax. Roll those shoulders back. Then we'll do a deep breath in together, and then out. Hold, and slowly out. Nice long deep inhale. 
hold and out. Good job. Let's start off with your name and your pronouns. My name is Allie Bird and my pronouns are she, her. And then a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, I am a coach. I am a person who appreciates the arts. Um, and most recently I authored a book called Grief Ally, Helping People You Love Cope with Death, Loss, and Grief. And it is my mission um, professionally and personally to make the space for people to have the time that they need to sit with and be able to carry uh, their grief and their losses um, throughout their lives. Amazing. I love that. So, oh, I'm also a therapist in training. I should ask. Yeah, that. I was gonna say. Forgot that. I was that gonna part. say you're forgetting something. <laughs> yes, I I am almost a therapist, <laughs> which is super exciting. Um, yes, I'm very very excited for you. That's gonna be great. And I'm assuming in therapy you want to focus on grief. Yes, by assumption. Um, okay. Yeah, grief and bereavement therapy. Um, in the ultimate future, probably traumatic bereavement work. Um, yes, that is a long term goal. Okay. I mean, that specialty is very, you know, it's very needed. That's definitely not my specialty. So I'm, I'm like super excited to just like get into your brain and ask all the questions. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky enough to get the like initial copy, like one of the copies. I don't know how to say it. What's the, I don't know what the lingo is. It's the advanced reader copy and art okay. copy. Okay. Oh, that's what it stands for. Okay. It has it has the arc stamped all over the whole thing. And I'm like, what is that? Advanced reader yes. copy. Okay. So I read like the first chapter and kind of like a little bit of your story and a little bit of why and things like that. So I think in this episode, I would really like to dive into the book and focus on the book and how you came to want to write something like this like obviously you're a creative person and you really appreciate creative arts and so like what was that process getting there and then maybe even touch on how to even get started if for those of you don't know the book it is called grief ally ally right grief ally ally which is like perfect title because your name is ally so i was i saw it it's not it's not perfect because people do often say grief ally and i'm like no i'm not I'm confident, but I'm not that confident that I named a book after myself. <laughs> no, it's the ally, like to be an yes, ally for exactly experiencing grief or someone like it's exactly. to be that alongside person, which is what I got from that first chapter, right? Yes. Um, I'm going to just hand it over to you. How did you like get to this position of writing the book? What happened like in your life that led it to this place? And then what happened creatively that called you into actually putting it down in words and writing a book and all that kind of stuff I'm just gonna let you take it away okay yeah um so I guess the the story starts at the end of 2019 um when my husband died unexpectedly Mm -hmm. um and I was thrown into the deep end of grief without ever really having any lived experience with it like in my world people died when they were old um, or they died of cancer. I really had no experience of an unexpected death, particularly an out of order death of a young person mm-hmm. and never 
intimate partner loss. Um, so I, I was thrown into a world that I had no idea how to navigate and it has been a journey. It still continues to be a journey of how to live with that loss. Um, but one thing I found really early on in my experience was that the bereaved often feel forgotten and abandoned and misunderstood because the people around them don't know how to support them. Mm. Um, and I was having that the opposite experience, actually, like my oh. my best friends and family were unbelievably supportive. And despite not having a clue what they were doing, they still showed up. They made mistakes. And when they made mistakes, you know, they apologize and, and we just kept moving forward together. And never once did I ever feel dismissed or abandoned. And despite, you know, having empathy for me and not not entirely understanding what was happening, like within right. my body and within my environment. Mm -hmm. Um they were still willing to sit there and be with me and not ask me to, to be a different way. Um, so I early on in the process recognized that, that I was having this different experience and there are a number of different ways that people grieve. No one's grief is the same. Mm -hmm. Some people are more, um, what there's, um, researchers named uh, Doka and Martin, they have a book called Grieving Beyond Gender, and they describe grief as a continuum in terms of expression. So on one end of that continuum, you have people who are more intuitive grievers and they have a more emotional experience. They, Their grief is expressed as really like intense emotions. They'd like people to witness their emotions. And then on the other end of that spectrum is a more instrumental griever, which it, grief is expressed more as a cognitive process and people are more likely to solve problems rather than have an emotional expression. Mm -hmm. And most people kind of like, you know, end up somewhere in the middle of blending those two things, um, right. depending on, you know, who they are, who they're with, their level of safety, where they are in their, their grief experience. Um, I certainly fall on the more cognitive um, side. So my experience with grief has been very much like looking at it from kind of a scientific perspective, um, mm -hmm. doing as much research as I could about grief psychology and culture and like why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Um, there were definitely like emotional moments, but for me, it was very much trying to just deep understand on a level what was happening to my brain and my body um, as this person and all the other things that could not happen or be, um, was kind of disintegrating, um, mm -hmm. in my life. Um, so with that, that problem, the problem that I discovered was that, you know, people don't know how to support those who are experiencing life-changing loss. So I took the lessons that I learned from my support network and my experience as a coach and what I was learning about what was happening to me culturally, psychologically, physiologically, mm -hmm. and put it into this tool, um, which ended up being the book. Um, okay. And so that my hope is that it becomes the go-to resource for people when something really bad happens and people are looking for guidance in terms of like, what do I do and how do I help and how do I not make this worse? Mm -hmm. um, because if this resource existed for my people, they would have found it. And mm -hmm. instead they had to mine all the resources that were 
created for people like me, the people who are at the like epicenter of a tragedy, who realistically, like in that in those like early moments, like my brain didn't work. Mm-hmm. Like I remember a lot of, of things and you know, I made decisions, but there is trauma involved in that. And, you know, we have trauma responses that limit our capacity to think critically and to learn new things. Um, whereas people on the more outer reaches mm-hmm. of uh, that tragedy actually have the capacity to use their brains. Yes. Um, and yet we don't make tools and resources for them. Um, so that's where I I put my energy um, to try and try and solve this problem. And uh, that's how I ended up with a book. That's amazing. Honestly, when I first, when I first like heard that you had written a book and that you had we had had this conversation I immediately assumed it would be about like from the perspective of the person who's experiencing the grief but yeah like you said like there's not there's a lot of resources out there for the people that are actually experiencing it and they're the how to cope and manage and all this kind of stuff but this book is specifically for people supporting a loved one who is experiencing grief And I thought that was so incredible that you made this resource for people from not only the perspective of someone who has experienced that grief and knows what it is that person needs, but Mm -hmm. also from the perspective of a coach and a future therapist who have all these other resources and knowledge surrounding how to interact and how to manage relationships and how to communicate and all these different skills. And you're kind of like weaving them all together to make this kind of handbook for the supporter, which is like really uncommon. (laughs) Unfortunately, there's not a lot of stuff out there for this specifically that I've seen. But again, I'm very, but like now that you say that, I'm like, yes, that makes total sense because I would assume that there would be stuff like this out there. But now hearing that there isn't, I'm like, okay, I'm even more happy that you did that now from the perspective of someone experiencing that grief. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit counterculture because we do have this like idea of like, you know, self-care, take care of yourself, like mm-hmm. put yourself first. And obviously, mm-hmm. like there is an element of that. Like there is a lot of like agency that someone in grief has to experience, but their life can be so much easier and more comfortable when their community is in it with them. Right. Um, totally. And that kind of shifts the perspective of like from making individuals manage their their pain and yes. their experience and the the adaptation that has to occur because a loss has happened in their life um to a real like community and cultural level change that we you know acknowledge that grief is a very human experience um and that everybody will have to to endure it at some point in their lives. And we do a disservice to people who are bereaved if we just ask them to cope and manage and to keep going on as if nothing had happened. Yes, exactly. It's a very isolating ideology to go that way. Whereas this is very community focused. It's very socially based. It's like you're encouraging people to be like, hey, I've made this handbook so you can read it and have a little bit of insight so you can go and message that friend who you know is having a hard time because you don't know what the hell you're doing. (laughs) So here's some resources for you so you have a little bit of a better idea and maybe even a better way to communicate with them to ask about their needs more. And like, because people are so hesitant to reach out when they feel useless or hopeless or helpless, big air quotes around there. Um, they feel helpless, but really they're not. Even just like a physical yeah. being next to a person is help- can be helpful and is a lot of the time very helpful. It's just that being with someone, like just the act of like, you are not alone is like 
so much more helpful than people realize, but because they're not actively doing anything, because we live in this like capitalistic culture, that's very much, we have to be productive and it's very productive producing oriented. It's like, oh, I'm not actually actively doing anything. So I must not be useful. And it's like, no, you yourself as a human, just next to this other human is useful. <laughs> it's very yeah. helpful. Exactly. And I think that that's part of like the, the one of the misconceptions that we have about grief in our culture is that it can be fixed. And the reality is that it cannot, especially yeah. if it is a death related loss. Like mm-hmm. the only thing that would fix grief in a death related loss would bring that person back from the dead. And that is not possible. And mm-hmm. therefore grief cannot be fixed. So to have this mindset of, oh, I just need to like swoop in like a superhero and I will bring food and I will bring flowers and a joke and everything will be okay. Like that's not realistic. And yet that is the narrative that is kind of put forward um, in the grief support space. So this, and people often don't reach out because they're afraid they can't fix it or that they're going to make it worse. And the reality is you have to really, really fuck up to to do, to make it worse. So just doing something um, is better than often doing nothing. And it's my hope that when people have this book, it just gives them a little more confidence that they they have agency, they have power, they can't fix it, but they can like bring their person comfort and make their life easier. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. Okay. So if you had to give like a little bit of a overview or synopsis of what someone can expect from reading this book, what kind of information they can gain, what kind of knowledge that they can pull from it, Um, just like a short Cliff Notes version, what would you say? Yeah, Um, I I would start off by saying that the book is only 130 pages and the font is quite large. So don't be like, uh, overwhelmed by like, oh, it's a book and I need to get through it. It's actually like quite, I've made it quite easy to read and it's quite short and it's intended to be consumed in a state where like you are anxious Perfect. and nervous and possibly afraid and not feeling confident. So um, I was very aware of the state that someone may be reading this in. So it is very easy to consume just mm. off the bat. Um, but uh, to get that. into like what it is, what is inside of it, um, there is a really brief like grief 101. Like this is what you need to know to be an ally um, just to like get you like out of the gates. Okay. And then we talk about self-care um, and the importance of taking care of yourself because grief support is a long haul process. Like it is mm. not just the week that the person dies or the week of like the funeral or the celebration of life. If you love someone and they are an active part of your life and you want to be there for them, you need to be there for the long haul. Mm. That's like a year, two years, seven years, 15 years. So to be there for that long haul, you need to be able to take care of yourself. So figuring out what works for you in terms of maintaining the endurance that you need um, to be present with someone and their pain. Um, Mm -hmm. So we go through a bit of that, defining a self-care strategy. Um, We talk about making the person that you love the leader in their grief and respecting them as the expert. Because all grief is unique. Um, everybody has a different way of expressing and processing and what they want and what they need. And it's really important to empower the person that you love to be the expert and then to respect them as the expert. Um, after that, we talk about teamwork and the fact that you are not the only one who wants to help the person that you love. 
And that is okay. That is actually a very good thing because mm-hmm. you cannot do this, this job alone. Mm-hmm. And it also means that at points, like you will feel like you want to be the person who's like on the field, you know, to use the sports analogy, who's like yeah. on the field with your person, but like, it's, you also like, whether you are on the field or you are on the bench, like be a leader and respect mm-hmm. them, respect the person that you love, empower the person that you love. And if they are asking for help from anyone, that is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And that should be like what your focus is on is that if your person is is coping and adapting and just surviving, like that is the goal. That's what it means to win, whether it's you working directly with them or not. Um, mm. So like and- if if that person you're trying to help is reaching out to other people rather than you, even though you're being there for them, don't get like offended or something. Exactly. Okay. Like, that yes. makes sense. Yeah. Yes. It's not about you. It's about them. No. And if you love them enough, if you love them unconditionally, it shouldn't matter who is helping them also to recognize that like you cannot be everything for them some people are great at like cooking and like the household like domestic stuff like Mm -hmm. let them do that Mm -hmm. if you are not that like if you are an amazing note taker if you are a great listener like work to your strengths Mm. (laughs) and your assets like let people do what they are good at um and trust that your person knows what you are good at maybe tell them sure like (laughs) Be like, hey, this I'm is really what good I'm at cooking. <laughs> yeah, like this is what this is what I am good at doing. This is what yes. I am willing to do for you. Totally. Let me know when I can do that for you. And Actually, like cool. offer it to them. Like 100%. these are the things I can help you in. You need groceries done? I got you. Like you need exactly. a ride to the whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. You need your dog walked. Yes. I can do that. You know. Okay. Yeah. Um. Then uh, we get into more like skills based stuff. So um, active listening is super Mm. important when it comes to grief support and active listening in the book. I talk about how to do it. It's a like full body experience of using, you know, your, your body and your language to let someone express themselves. And Mm -hmm. I also go over what active listening is not. So it Mm -hmm. is not problem solving. It is Mm. not saying me too. And it is not silence. Mm -hmm. Um, And also that active listening doesn't have to occur like in person or in a face-to-face conversation. There's active listening that can occur like on the phone or through text and all of that can be useful. Um, Mm -hmm. So I teach, teach folks how to do that. I do a little bit of like, don't say this (laughs) stuff. There's a lot of cliches that get thrown around in grief. Oh yes. Um, I'm sure I've done it for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. At least you got five good years with him. Oh Um, no. So I cover some of that basic stuff, but then I also like more importantly talk about like, it is okay to talk about the person who died in most cases, in in many circumstances, like if you love someone and they died, like that doesn't mean that they're gone from your life. And it is like gold to hear someone talk about them or to bring them up in conversation. So it's not always on the bereaved to like keep their memory alive. Um, That's a really important lesson. Chapter seven is all about how to recover from your mistakes because the reality is that if you are close enough to the epicenter of a tragedy and you want to be there for someone that you love then you are going to make mistakes and Mm -hmm. I teach that like the mindset is like if you are close enough and you are not making mistakes you're not trying hard enough Mm. (laughs) you're not putting yourself out there enough so if you are making mistakes then you're doing grief allyship right Mm -hmm. um 
but to make mistakes, you need to be able to recover from them to be there through the long haul. So right. we talk about building a recovery strategy and how to make a proper apology when you do make mistakes. I love that. There's yeah. no growth without mistakes. I always exactly. Say. So yes. that's awesome. I love that you're preparing. You're like, you are going to make it. You're totally going to mess up. Just accept yeah. it. Accept it now. <laughs> And then, yeah, as much as I can tell you, like, I don't have all the answers. Like I don't, I don't know the person you're trying to support. And even if I did, I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly what they need because grief changes us. Exactly. Like, at an yeah. anatomical level. Like mm-hmm. we are not the same person when we are bereaved as we were before. Totally. Um, so there is just a, a natural process of learning who this person is mm-hmm. and who they will become because of their experience with grief. Um, And then in the end, we talk about the grief revolution and leadership and grief literacy and what someone can do culturally to Mm. support their person and make their life easier in the long haul. And Mm -hmm. that is reading the book, essentially, (laughs) taking in all that information, but also like sharing it with other people, like the lessons that you learn and Mm -hmm. being willing to like have these tough, uncomfortable conversations about death, dying, grief and loss. Because for a long time, as you know, the onset of like the internet and this like individualization and industrialization and people dying in hospitals and not in our homes. And we don't talk about death anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we're cool talking about sex, so we don't talk about death. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the new frontier. Um, But the more we are willing to like have these conversations, the less isolating the experience of bereavement really is. And that way, like this person that you love gets to have like these, these really like big lives where like the full breadth of their human experience gets to be recognized. And instead of like being, you know, shoved away, like in a drawer or a closet somewhere where they have to hide it from others. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I love that. (laughs) That is so good. I'm so excited to read the whole thing. Oh, I'm glad. (laughs) So tell me about how you went from experiencing that grief and realizing that your experience was different to now having a book. Is it, it is out and available now or is it out for pre-order? It's available on pre-order. It's uh, the actual publication date is January 25th. Okay. So tell me about like that whole, going through that whole process all the way to now being in a place where you're talking about, I am done the book. It is on pre-order. Like what Mm -hmm. happened? How did, how did you get to, I need to write this down. I need to create this handbook for people and teach. Yeah. Um, I are very early on, like literally like the day, the day that Will died, um, I started journaling um, and journaling has been a huge part of the way that I have coped um, with this really foreign experience um, in my body. And when I, I'd, I knew that I was capable of writing a book before Will died. I'm just that kind of person where it's like, if I, if I know that I'm going to, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm a Capricorn. I'm the first. Oh uh, yeah, me like, too. This <laughs> like this, we don't play. We don't yeah. play around. Don't mess around. Like we get it done. Yeah. Um. So it's like I always like knew that it was like possible, but it was never like something where I was like I am this passionate about the thing that needs to get written. And in my experience 
experience with like writing, I just stumbled upon um, this woman. Her name is Allie Fallon and she teaches people how to write books essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had always been kind of curious in like the courses that she offered. And all of a sudden I was like, had all this time. It wasn't like all this time. I, I had a lot of downtime and I was just like sitting and thinking and looking for a space to like kind of organize my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took her course, it's called prepare to publish highly recommend it. If you're in a position where you are trying to build a book essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I had this like format of like, Oh, here, here are the things that are included in a book. Um, and my brain is kind of moving forward with these ideas. Um, but the, the, the thing that was really important to me is that I would only work on this project if it was bringing me joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second that it was not joyful for me anymore, uh, I would put it down Perfect. Um, yes. because in, in grief, you have to take the dopamine where you can get it. Yes. And if something is not, is not giving you're like, nope. that rush, you're like, no, I can't, I can't do this. I'm sorry. Because there's already, you know, such a, such a, an undercurrent, um, pulling you down that if you have a choice, say no. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it became this really, uh, and I think this is another misconception that people have about grief is that it is synonymous with sadness and that's, that's not true. So grief itself is like an energy that's created because of a severing of attachment. Um, and as human beings, you know, we are designed to attach to things. That's mm-hmm. how we survive. Mm-hmm. So when someone dies or we lose something or we realize that we can't have something, then there's this like energetic experience that happens in our bodies. And that itself is the grief. And then that grief becomes an emotional expression in some form. Right. But that emotional expression can be any feeling on a feeling wheel. Mm -hmm. It's not just sad and mad. Um, It, it can be joy. It can be gratitude. Um, it could be nostalgia. And for me, having this like project and this like pocket of time where I got to sit, sit with my feelings and just let my brain do what it wanted to do. Um, while also like reflecting on this, like this life that I had with this person that I loved deeply, um, became a really like meaningful, almost ritualistic experience um, that I got to tap into. And it kept me moving forward. Like I, you know, I don't say it lightly, but this, this book probably did a lot in terms of like saving my life Mm -hmm. um, and giving me something to look forward to that despite the fact that Will was not present in my ideas for the future, there was still a legacy of him. Um, Cheryl Strayed in um, Tiny Beautiful Things, her book has this um, piece called uh, The Devastated Place, where she talks about all the work that she's been able to do since the death of her mother. And despite the fact that she would give anything to have her mother back, that all that work comes from a very devastated place. So this was kind of like my capacity to, you know, and the place where I got to explore and continue to explore, you know, my, my devastated place. Mm -hmm. Um, But in a way that feels like authentic and brings like some 
connection to this person that I still want present in my life, despite the fact that, you know, they, they no longer have a, a beating heart presence, mm-hmm. um, in my life. Does that make sense? Oh my God. That, yes, that makes so much sense. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Oh Okay, so you journaled, you write, you wrote, you took this class. So after you took this class, is that kind of just when you dove right into it and then you just did it in chunks kind of whenever you felt that joy, put it down, picked it back up, and then you found a publisher? Like someone reached out to you? Like how does that work? Okay, um, from the the final product from the course was a book proposal. And a book proposal oh. is what you take to shop around to agents. Typically an agent says like, hey, I think this is, this is good. Um, and then with an agent, you shop around to publishers, um, as part of my process that like that joy piece Mm -hmm. uh, or, and typically in a, in a book proposal for a nonfiction book, Mm -hmm. it isn't like a rough draft of the book. It's like, here are the chapters. Here's what's going to happen in each chapter. And here's like a sample of my writing, which is typically the first, uh, chapter or two. Okay. But so once I got to the space where I was ready to pitch to agents, mm-hmm. um, it stopped being joyful. Uh, I was like, I I don't, I know that this is a valuable resource, but it does not feel good to have to sell myself um, yes. and make the case that this is something that is worthy of investment. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, I actually decided that I would self-publish. Okay. Uh, so I found a writer's group and I wrote the first draft um, in a like uh, 12-week period uh-huh. um, with that writer's group. And then from there, I hired a company that has supported me through the self-publishing process. Oh, good for you. That is amazing. I, it's like you just take it like you're taking it by you're just doing it the way you want it, to do it because I feel like. If you go to the agent route, obviously, I'm sure there's lots of perks of marketing and whatnot. But yeah, that self, like having to be like, no, this is worth it. And then people rejecting you or not understanding or whatever. You kind of just like was like, nope, no, thank you. <laughs> it's also, yeah. And I mean, that's that's definitely been a lesson that I have learned in grief. Um, you know, I, jo- I joke about yes. like the, the dopamine bits, but like there is no roadmap. Mm-hmm. There are no... no. There is no one who as who is as unique as you are. So there are also no role models. Totally. So you have to figure out what feels good enough for you to like keep moving forward with anything. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Whether that's like redecorating your home or moving or selling your car or being in your job or, you know, like, and you have to like get really comfortable with and, and to know yourself intimately to know Mm -hmm. what the right move is in Mm -hmm. any situation. Um, so I just kind of like took that and, and applied it, uh, to this project. Um, and it has like doing it my own way Mm -hmm. has felt very good and has also given me the capacity to, share the message in the way that I want to share the message. Yes. And I I do feel if I had gone a more traditional route, like I would have been asked to, you know, not exploit, but share more intimate details of, of my loss and Will's right. death than I would 
have wanted to. Yes. Um, and out of respect for him, out of respect for me, out of respect for his family, like I, that's just not something that, that would have sat right. Yes, um, totally. With me. Um, yeah. So I, I've done it on my own. That's amazing. Wow. That is so incredible. I hope you know how awesome you are. Like, <laughs> that is so cool. Like, not only were you like, yeah, I'm going to write a book. You're like, I'm also going to self-publish it because, you know, screw, screw parameters and editors and agents, like whatever. I'm just going to do this on my own. Like, and then you did it. Like, that's so cool. Oh, I yeah. Love it. I mean, it's, I, I will, I will add like the asterisk that like, that is a privileged position to be in. Like 100%. I, 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 I know that I have had a privileged experience with grief. Um, so I am doing my best to, you know, create tools that are accessible for others to, to have a similar experience. But, um, and then also I want to add that we do a lot of celebrating people who have, like, we would now label as like resilient, um, or who do these like really big epic things after really hard stuff has happened to them. Like, Mm -hmm. people who lose limbs and run marathons or widows who write books. Um, Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that, yes, I am proud of myself that like I have written a book, but it it should be not, it should not be the standard that we uphold people to. I think that loss, death-related loss, like is so hard. And if somebody just survives um, with that, that is okay. And yes. that, that is, that is good enough and will always be good enough. Yes. Um, and we shouldn't, um, compare people's, uh, experiences. Although I, I appreciate the praise, you know, my ego feels like, you know, my ego feels <laughs> well, it, very nice when you say things like that. But I also just want to add that, like, it is like people listening, like if, if you're, if you're going through it, like, don't believe that this is some sort of like thing that you have to come back faster, stronger, and better from. Um, because the reality is, it's like, you are different. You will never be better. Um, you will just be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you added that caveat because I <laughs> am a huge believer in that in you really don't have to be this flashy, big, quote on big, big air quotes on successful yeah, human to deserve praise like literally just you got out of bed that's amazing like I'm very much in that realm of thinking as well so I'm so glad you added that I just think that the fact that you focused this energy on supporting the people who are supporting those who are grieving is incredible like I just think that's something that you definitely should be really really proud of the fact that you took that and was like I'm gonna use this as a way to help others help others it wasn't even like a yeah. help others help yourself. It's like, no, help yourself help by helping others. It's like, it's like yeah. a very layered, multifaceted thing, which is great. And I think you have some great, I'm looking at the chapters right now. I think you have some really great topics in there. And I think it's important for people to read this, even if they weren't um, currently supporting someone through grief. I think it's an important thing to just know and to explore because I think a lot of these questions and a lot of these um topics are important for you to reflect on just as a human being in society and that's one of the reasons I do this podcast right is I talk about all sorts of different things because I think it's all relevant and all worth it even if it's not a hundred percent relating to what you are experiencing right now just hearing someone else's story of something that happened in the individual's life it's like so important to 
just ponder <laughs> to be like that's yeah or oh that's how someone else dealt with it or that this is this or and then just use that as like information and just gather that information and whatever you do with it you do with it but so the fact that you went and did that is is great and also I absolutely love the fact that you put it down when you it wasn't bringing you joy anymore mm. because as Capricorns <laughs> I am not an astrology like well-versed person but people keep telling me because I'm a Capricorn I'm stubborn as hell exactly and I feel that you probably were very similar but in this life experience and in this um process of getting to know yourself better you've learned that okay I deserve to just feel this joy and I deserve to put it away and it's okay to put that away and I don't have to feel guilty and I don't have to feel shame for not pushing through and overcoming and all this stuff like you said be resilient like no it's okay mm-hmm. to just like no nah, I don't feel like being resilient today I'm, just yeah. like, I'm good yeah <laughs> I feel like shit today I'm just gonna feel like shit and that is okay <laughs> exactly I'm just gonna sit in it I'm just gonna feel it and then you know tomorrow's another day we'll see like whatever but not sit there being like oh my god I sh- I told myself I was gonna write this book so I should write it like that's not the approach you took which I think is such an important lesson that is important to get out there so so grateful that you shared that piece <laughs> ah, this is giving me so much energy <laughs> oh I'm so glad <laughs> I love doing guests like I was saying to you earlier this is my first guest um episode of the year and I haven't done one in a little bit so I was very very excited to sit with you and get to know you and get to know your story and share with whoever is listening about how awesome this is and how not awesome you were at times but that's okay too yeah oh I've loved this this has been this has been really great oh my god I'm so glad before we log off where can people find you you can find me on social media at the alley bird you can check out my website, alleybird.com. Uh, you can go to alleybird.com slash book um, to learn more about the book, but you can also find it at all major book outlets where you buy books. Oh my God, amazing. I will throw all those <laughs> links in the description. Thank you again so much for hanging out with us today and coming on the show. I am so excited to share with everybody. Ah, <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> freaking out. I love it. I love it. (laughs) You're so welcome. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Like I said, I will put all her information and links in the description of the episode. And as usual, if you're listening during the day, I hope you have a wonderful day. If you're listening in the evening, I hope you have a lovely, restful night of sleep. And I will catch you next time. Bye.